Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm bestselling author and co-creator of realeverything.com, Stacey Toth. I focus on being healthy inside and out through real life, food, and talk. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times bestselling author and creator of thepaleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Hi, Sarah. Hi, listeners. I'm so excited this week because I submitted a topic to you, but then somehow in the course of you being excellent at saying, sure, Stacey, we can do that. You go ahead. (laughs) I ended up putting together, according to you, a record-breaking number of pages of notes for today's show. <laughs> I have 24 pages. Yep, yep. That's 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 how many that's how many pages of notes. Um to be fair, I, some of that is just backup for you. <laughs> that's, that's true. And I super appreciated it. Um I no, I I highly encourage uh everybody to to be their own health advocates and health sleuths and researchers and you were really gung-ho on this topic and I was like I I knew enough as we were sort of discussing this to know that it's a real thing and that there's lots of great science that literally goes back over a hundred years and I was like yeah have at it so (laughs) thank you because I am in like mad finishing up my slide preparation time for my workshop this coming weekend so like when this podcast airs I'm there in California giving 14 and a half hours of a seminar over a three-day weekend. And presumably by the time this airs, my slides are also done because woohoo. But they will be. <laughs> whew, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tight. It's definitely, it's definitely going to be tight. You have been known to do excellent work on the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, the, the tightest, I think, uh, of ever, ever was one year at Paleo FX, I was literally finishing up slide creation. This is not like I'm going through my slides and practicing my talk. I was literally like throwing in the last couple of slides an hour before my talk. And I quickly like saved it onto a memory stick and like walked over, gave it to the AV people and then walked on stage. And that I don't enjoy. Like I don't, I'm generally not a procrastinator, um, but I've just had so many projects kind of like land on my plate all at once that were supposed to be more spaced out in time over the last few months that this has just become something that uh, ended up getting left until the last few weeks. It's, it's, it's just been sort of a, uh, a, I guess it's more like I've hit that survival of workload where just whatever thing I'm working on is whatever is the thing that's due next. And I just go from the next thing that's due and I wrap that up and then the next thing that's due and then I wrap that up. And I think after this workshop, I should be able to slow down a bit and get back ahead, which is how I normally like to, to work. But yes, um, I would not be surprised if I am putting finishing touches on my slide during my five-hour flight on Thursday. The good news is you know the topic. And I think oh, that's, sure. that's the thing is I'm more inclined to leave things to the last minute if I know that I know the material. Um, so I know that yeah, that's part of your mentality not, as well. As it's, it's not the research that needs to be done. Yeah, this is all stuff that I know inside and out. It's just the visual aids. Yeah. So unlike today – where <laughs> I had to do a ton of research with 24 pages of notes to prepare for the show. But first, I do want to thank our sponsor this week, Woo-hoo. Juve, is back as a podcast sponsor. And we talked about red light therapy in a previous podcast. We'll put the link in the show notes. It's incredible what it can do. And we're going to talk a little bit about what's new with Juve later in the show. But just want to thank Juve. And I think also it's a little fitting when I think of all of the different things that we're talking about in terms of like non-toxic living and how it affects your health. And that's a little bit of what the show will be later today. So 
Thanks, Juve. And uh, before we dive into the topic that you've prepared 24 pages worth of notes for, we should remind our listeners uh, that they can go to juve.com, that's J-O-O-V-V.com forward slash paleo view. And if they're too impatient to, to wait to go check it out, they can, they can go, go to that website and see what it's all about. Excellent. All right, listeners, I know that you can see the title of today's show <laughs> on whatever device you're listening, but... Oh, I forget about that part. Da, 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 da. Uh, today, we're talking about houseplants, which the biggest thing that I learned today is that's actually one word. Um, <laughs> just FYI. Um, after I'd like done a ton of writing and graphics, I, I realized that it was one word. Um and specifically with houseplants, what I've been learning over the past year is how they can help be air purification systems in your home. Um, but the problem is that they can also be toxic to pets and they can also die. Um, that's, that's a thing that happens with me. My mom is like the best gardener and it must skip a generation because I have had one plant that I got when I was pregnant with Cole. It was a gift to me. And that is the only plant that has survived for more than like three months until this past year when I decided that I wanted to really try to get better at keeping plants alive because they can be so beneficial when in your home. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And also I've pulled together not just like why they're good for your home, um, but also for those of you that might also be plant challenged um, <laughs> or have pets, I've come up with a list of the 10 plants that I think are good for you to focus on that are like hard to kill, high, you know, in terms of air purification and um, low in the risk factor for pets. So without further ado, Shall we jump in? It's all weird. I'm like leading the show this week, but I'm sure you'll keep me honest, Sarah. Uh, I think it's great. Again, I'm just going to like give you tons of positive reinforcement and say <laughs> you can you can do this. Because you want me to do it more often. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, 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 quite, I quite enjoyed not having to spend several hours today researching and putting together notes for the podcast. So just, no problem. You can do it. You got it. I got it. So before you move on to the next topic related to the magical powers of houseplants detoxifying our homes, uh, I thought it would be really good for us to talk a little bit about Juve Red Light Therapy since that's such a great at-home tool for detoxifying our bodies. I like, I like what you did there. I see. I, I see. I figure since you're taking the lead on the episode, it's my job to do the segues. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, I've been using Juve for almost two years. I have a legacy device and I have a new quad and I have the new Juve Go, which is super exciting. It's like a little travel Juve that you can put in your purse. I will be bringing it with me to California this weekend so that I can have my Juve red light while I'm traveling. I, I tried to like charge it once and see how many times I could use it because it has like a built-in 10-minute timer on one charge. And after 10 times, I was like, Oh, I, I should, I just, I gave up. I was like at least 10 times, at least 10 times on one charge. So I think I probably will still bring the charger with me traveling because, um, definitely with the sort of smaller surface area, I end up just sort of, um, like putting it beside me in a chair, uh, or on my desk so that it's really close. And then I can, use it and I'll use it like three or four times in a row and just kind of move it around my body. So I'm, I'm getting different areas each time as opposed to like the quad. Um, but I should back up. So red light therapy, why it's super cool. So it is super cool because our mitochondria have these things called chromospores, which are light sensing molecules that when they are activated by red and near-infrared wavelengths of light, like the wavelengths of light that the juve delivers, they increase the energy for the mitochondria to convert into ATP, increasing ATP production by up to 200%. ATP is the cellular currency of all cells. So when you increase ATP production, you increase cellular function, but you also improve cellular health. So through red light and near-infrared light wavelengths, because of this increase in ATP, you can basically improve the health of every system in the body, which is why 
red light therapy has been shown to be therapeutic in a huge variety of circumstances, including in autoimmune disease and chronic inflammation. It improves muscle recovery after a workout. It improves performance. It's been um, used very successfully for pain management. It's um, there's even clinical trials looking at using it uh, for neural recovery after traumatic brain injury. It's been used for depression. It has a pretty instant mood boost in terms of, I mean, my personal experience using it. Um, it's It just has like all of these amazing therapeutic benefits. Plus it has direct benefits to skin health. It's used cosmetically for decreasing wrinkles and fine lines and stretch marks and scars. Um, it's also the same wavelengths that are used in cosmetic practices for fat reduction, although that is a slow multi-step process. It's not like it's the magic thing that will make all the fat go away completely, but it does definitely help. And I have definitely experienced weight loss for no apparent reason other than I'm using my juve every day. So yay. Um, I think it's amazing. I love it. And the new design that's modular you can get either a what's called a mini, I think, or the the main panel is called a solo, and you can basically they kind of connect together like fancy Lego. You can start with one, you can build them over time, you can go crazy and get a quad, or there's like a one that's like six panels if you're like a a, a six and a half foot tall giant, um, and they can hang on your door. They can hang on your wall. You can get stands um, that you can like wheel it around your room. They're amazing. And before Juve, the only way to get therapeutic energy deposition at the right wavelengths for red and near infrared light therapy was to go to a Medispa and and pay for every single treatment. So now this is something that you can bring at home. And I'm very enthusiastic about it because it's one of the things that uh, has kept me together with like everything that I do stresses my nemesis. And Juve is one of those things that um, just helps to reduce my inflammation, reduce fibromyalgia pain, boost my mood, boost my energy. It makes me feel good <laughs> on a day that I wake up feeling crummy. It improves my sleep quality. It's just one of those alternative health things with great science behind it. And um, my personal experience has been amazing. So I, I really cannot say enough good things about Juve. So I'm really excited they're sponsoring this week's episode. And I should stop talking in case you are done your break. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you covered about everything. But the one thing that I think is really cool is that the new ones, I also have a legacy. But the new ones come with the connection to Bluetooth and mm -hmm. home devices. And I think... Being able to say, I, mean, I can't say her name. Um, <laughs> well, you, you could say her name if you talk about a juve right after, and then you're only going to activate people's anyway, juves. You know what have... I'm saying? If I said her name and then I said, yeah. remind me every morning at 8.15 to do red light therapy, and then you set it up so that at that time it turns on if you connect your device, it would, it would turn on and you would be like, oh, I better go stand in front of it. So I love that that makes it a no brainer because sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll just lay in bed for the extra 10 minutes. And then <laughs> later I'm like, oh, I wish I would have done my juve. Oh, so, yeah. all right. I think we've made it clear that not only is Juve our sponsor, but Juve is our sponsor because we both love it. And if you have questions, we will link it back to the entire show that we did on red light therapy. But um, going forward, if you would like to participate in getting some Juve love for yourself, including the new very affordable mini that Sarah is traveling with and that you can start with um, and what the modular design build upon, you can go to joovv.com forward slash paleo view and check it all out. One of the things that I think we need to understand before we jump into why a houseplant is purifying for your air is what could be in your air that you would want mm -hmm. the plant to remove. Um, and so I know Sarah and I have both looked into science and sources. You can find them in the show notes. Um, and as she says, it the research on this goes back really far, but I've used the 
pretty significant study that NASA did in 1989 as the starting point for a lot of what I'm looking into. They did a exhaustive study trying to figure out how to help purify the air for astronauts that were in space. And so a lot of the originating research comes from that perspective. Um, That said, there have been a ton of studies and research since. And so the three original um, chemicals that they screened for were benzene, formaldehyde, and you're going to have to help me with this one, Sarah, trichloroethylene. Correct. Yay. I not have to help you at all. Okay. Um, so those were the first three that were really significant in their studies. But since then, um, we're aware that there's more in our air that plants are purifying for us and that we would want to consume less of um, with inhalation. And one is, I think it's xylene, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah. And then um, dimethyl benzenes. And really, from my research on PubChem, those are actually the same thing. They're just named differently um, and different states. So um, really, it all relates to formaldehyde and benzenes, and they're just um, different forms of those. For example, xylene is also called formaldehyde resin, right? So it's like mm-hmm. um, all, all the same kind of badness there in general. And then ammonia. And I think we're, we're all aware of what that is. So let me tell you, benzene is um, a toxic, flammable liquid hydrocarbon um, that's kind of a byproduct of coal. And it has been used mostly in the things that you'd find in your furniture. So for example, industrial solvents, um, in paints or varnishes and thinners, different kinds of things like that. So if you have... Um, older furniture, you might not have a lot of this in your house, but if you have a newer home or you have newer furniture, you're going to have off-gassing of this and it can cause central nervous system damage um, and chronic and acute exposure could even be carcinogenic as well. So um, I personally... No, I mean, yeah, it's not... I mean, now we're all paranoid about our houses. Well, so when I bought furniture this year, so this has been something that I've, you know, really been thinking more about lately. And we wanted to replace our sofa this year. And this is not a shout out to this brand for any reason other than it's what I found and researched. Um, We went with the Pottery Barn family, which is also like Crate and Barrel and I think even West Elm. Um, They don't put any um, toxic off-gassing chemicals on their furniture. Mm. And I actually intentionally bought a sofa from there because I wanted to buy a newer sofa, not something that I would get at a thrift store because if you got something that's older, it's already off-gassed, but that was also non-toxic. And so there are options out there if you are now paranoid about your home. Obviously, we're going to talk about the plants being able to help, but it's, it's it's not all bad. I, I promise, like, if you decide that this is something you're passionate about, you can look into it, and there are lots of options. But um, I'm not going to go super into detail on formaldehyde. I think it's pretty well understood um, mm-hmm. that formaldehyde is badness. Um, environmentally, it can be found in the atmosphere. It can be in smoke from fires, automobile exhaust, um, cigarette smoke, and, you know, like your neighbor or something like that, right? Um, formaldehyde is also something that organic materials in in general organ organisms um are producing and so it's it's really hazardous in certain loads of it or in in certain if you were to ingest it for so to speak but it's not like the worst thing in the world in small amounts but its vapor can be toxic so you if you're using for example nail polish with formaldehyde or your furniture's been coated in it and now you're you know putting all that gas in your home for a long time that's a lot different than for example a human which is naturally producing it um and then trichloroethylene, which is the last time I'm going to say that. <laughs> uh, new to me, it's a synthetic, light-sensitive, volatile, colorless liquid that um, 
is miceable. I don't even know what that means, but um, <laughs> with organic solvents. So mainly what this is, is something that you would find associated with metal things because it can be used as a degreaser for those. Um, the problem is that in its process of combustion, it can produce irritants and toxic gases. Um, so they find that people who are exposed to this occupationally on a regular basis um, get excess incidence of liver cancer, kidney cancer, and lymphoma. Um, and it's reasonably anticipated to be a human heart carcinogen, given what they've seen from people who have increased exposure to it. So um, again, if you get new furniture, for example, with metal parts, or you've just had your kitchen redone and there's, you know, metal and um, the degreasers and different kinds of stuff that are in that you'd have more in your home. So for me, one of the reasons that we really looked into adding plants to our home was because we'd had our kitchen redone. And as much as we tried to make choices that were reducing our toxic load as much as possible, we also, there's no way around the fact that when you put new appliances in and you put new countertop in and the chemicals that they put on that and all kinds of stuff are, are just, they are what they are. And I'm glad I don't need to work around it all the time, but I also don't want it in my house. And so we actually built in adding plants to our home as part of our renovation budget because I wanted to get really healthy, sturdy plants that would be harder for me to kill. Um, and I wanted them to be there so that in all of the off-gassing of the kitchen renovation and the new furniture, that the plants were there to absorb a lot of the air purification. So let's talk a little bit about how that works. Um, I think we all know that photosynthesis is this magical thing that plants do. Um, but one of the ways that they do that is that they take in the air for photosynthesis in order to use um, the oxygen, right? It's oxygen they're Car processing. They, they use the carbon dioxide. There you go. Carbon dioxide. Yeah, yeah. It's, the, um, it's the backwards of us. Yes. Um, and in doing so, they're trapping some of those toxic chemicals as they put them in, and then they're kind of filtering through what research is showing is their root process. So it turns out one of the things that was interesting to me is that it's largely, largely leafy, leafy animals, leafy plants that don't have um, a lot of flowers or blooms or that kind of stuff that are going to be the most purifiers, and they have a strong root system. So um, one of the one of the first air purifiers that we got was a money tree and it's mm -hmm. essentially a tree in the home. So it has a strong root system and it doesn't have any blooms or anything. It's just a green leafy tree um, and it's non-toxic and it's hard to kill. And I was like, okay, let's start with this. <laughs> like, here you go. Um, so, and, and then we've kind of expanded from there, you know, every couple of months we add a couple more plants and we cross our fingers and hope that we remember that they're there. Um, but we do have ways of, of dealing with that. Uh, she who shall not be spoken about at, at the moment does a good job of reminding us to water our plants every day. <laughs> and um, we also use these like self-watering um, bulb things um, mm -hmm. that go into our plants. And so you if have you're... like really pretty glass ones. We do. And they're yeah. like relatively cheap on Amazon. Like you can get three for 15 bucks. Mm -hmm. We'll put a link in the show notes. But um yeah, so we've we've done some things to help ourselves in terms of not killing the plants if you're challenged. Um, I think it's worth giving it a shot. But um, what's what's been interesting is that um, with those leafy, non-flowering plants, um, one of the things that it's been alleviating is sick building syndrome. And so not just in your home, but oftentimes workplaces. I know my workplace is um, really irritating, even for people who aren't um, aware of the importance of non-toxic living in general, right? Like they have headaches from, they associate from fluorescent lights or, you know, we use toxic, you know, industrial cleaners. We um, have new buildings with all kinds of stuff. And so it's all off-gassing. Like it's just, it's really not a uh, ideal place. I mean, I do so much for my home to be safe. And then I go sit in this office eight to 10 hours a day, which has all this negative stuff. And so, um, 
adding plants to your office space might also be a really great idea um, if you are experiencing any of those symptoms, you know, headaches, whatever, even if you're not experiencing those symptoms and it doesn't hurt to have plants. There when are it, other benefits to having plants around. So yeah, I was going to point people back to our episode on the benefits of nature. Like a lot of those same benefits we can experience with houseplants because they do provide the, it's a, a really interesting visual stimulus that natural environments give us because they're chaotic, right? They're, they're really random. There's not a lot of straight lines, but at the same time, they're not stimulating. So they're non-stimulating chaotic uh, visual stimuli, which is very calming for the brain. But they also produce all of these different aromatics um, that are actually also can help. You know, they actually li- do like literally reduce our blood pressure. They have a calming effect. So even if you can't get out into nature during the day, Having a house plant has these other benefits in your environment, like beyond these very, very tangible benefits of also purifying the air. So, and we're going to talk about the plants that I recommend, but mm-hmm. one of the great things that a lot of um, plants that survives well in the office is ivies, but they're toxic to animals. So adding ivy type plants to your office, if you don't have any animals in your office, could be really great as an air purification and detoxifying system um, that I personally can't slash won't have in my home because I have cats who chew on leaves and puppy who eats anything that she finds. (laughs) Um, So uh, anyway, it's worth emphasizing there that when you say toxic to pets, you mean if they eat them. I mean, a lot of these same plants yes. would be also toxic to toddlers, for yes. example. <laughs> um, sometimes, sometimes there are toxic to, so for example, um, uh, there's some plants that are like toxic to cats, but not dogs and not kids, right? So there's certain, um, there's certain plants that'll be, you know, more problematic for one species or another. Um, but if you, I mean, I have cats, but they, my current cats, anyways, my old cats used to chew on everything, but my current cats are really not interested in my houseplants, which has actually allowed me to have more houseplants and have more flowers and and bouquets and vases around the house as well, because I don't have to worry about them getting knocked over by these particular cats. They're just not into chewing. So it really has to do with like, do you have an animal that will will try to, to get in this and to eat it. And if, if so, those are better ones to not have around your pets. Yes. And so for example, uh, we're just jumping all around the notes and it's like stressing me out, Sarah. I don't know how to handle this. Um, (laughs) So one of the plants that is really good at air purification is uh, the snake plant, which is also called mother-in-law's tongue, which I think is pretty funny. Mm -hmm. Um, Or Sansevieria, if you would like its Latin name. I only know that because I have one, by the way. Fancy. Well, it is toxic to animals, but we have one. And what we've done is put it in a potter, a pot planter thing that's much bigger than its size. And we've put it on a pedestal that the cats can't jump onto. And so as a result, like there's no way for them to be able to chew on the leaves. And so I'm fine with having that, but then I can't move that to a place where they would jump up and, and chew on it. Cause they will, my cats are pieces of work. I'll tell you that. (laughs) All right. So while you're chatting, um, I think it's interesting. One of the ways in which the plants are doing air purification is um, it's taking in those VOCs that we've talked about before, those volatile organic compounds, the different chemicals that we just talked about out of the air circulation and, you know, thusly people's lungs. And it's actually feeding the plant's soil microbiome with that same air. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one of the questions that I got when I shared on social media that I was going to talk about this topic was the idea that then the plant is full of badness. um, And so maybe you could talk a little bit about um, the science on that. Yeah. So actually what's really interesting is our our gut bacteria do this for us and plants also have a microbiome. So they have bacteria living in and on them. And then the soil has a microbiome 
And bacteria are amazing detoxifiers. So they actually uh, metabolize these toxic compounds and into harmless compounds. And we actually get, again, sort of like a fair amount of uh, detoxification by uh, a healthy gut microbiome in our bodies. But that's also why those compounds, right, you're not getting formaldehyde build up in your houseplant. And it's thanks to bacteria that's that's breaking it down into, into harmless compounds. And it's one of the reasons why um, having really healthy, high-quality potting soil is really helpful because a high-quality potting soil will have a very healthy and, and robust microbiome to go with it. So the whole, right, buying like sterilized potting soil, it means you killed all the bacteria in it. Like that, that's like the exact opposite of, of what most of us need in our homes. So, um, so that's, you know, it's always better to buy potting soil instead of, you know, digging dirt in your backyard because a potting soil has, um, different compounds added different, right. It'll have, um, partially broken down organic matter that will continue to break down and provide nutrients, for the plant and also helps to aerate the soil because plants don't like really compact, hard uh, soil generally. So a potting soil and there'll be different potting mixes for different kinds of plants is generally optimized for that plant, but definitely stay away from sterilized potting soil because then you're missing out on all those really important bacteria for uh, both the soil's health and the plant's health and by, by default, then your health. So let's talk about the specifics of what that root and microbiome are doing. Um, and in particular, in the 1989 NASA study, they had a whole bunch of controlled experiments and they shared what the off-gassing removal rate was from the three VOCs that I mentioned. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to go into the details of each plant and, and how much was removed. But for example, um, formaldehyde, was removed 70% from a, from the plant, um, but 2.8% was removed from like the control that it was doing. Um, benzene went up to 67.7%. And then that word I'm not pronouncing anymore <laughs> went up to 40% <laughs> with plants versus a 10% with the control. So they have measured specifically that the plants are removing these. And then as Sarah stated, it's, it's going through their root and their soil process to remove those. And what's interesting about that is that the studies continued to test them all and say, okay, now what if I did it without the plants having as much leaves? Well, what if I did it this way? What if I used this plant that um, doesn't have a root system? And that's how they determine that really the the rooted plants are the ones that are going to give you the best results. So for example, um, if you love those air plants because they're cute, um, they are cute and by all means have them, but they're not going to be very effective at removing um, toxins from the air because they don't really have a root system. Um, So let's talk about um, which plants can harm us <laughs> and our pets. Do you think we're ready to jump into that, Sarah? Actually, I... You want to go over the on, science a little more? <laughs> I, well, I, I just, I, I feel like, you know, granted, I'm looking at tables and tables and tables of numbers. And I love I hesitated. I was going to say, I hesitated how much to show you because I'm like, yeah. she's going to want to go into no, all of this. No, <laughs> because um, numbers make me happy in my heart. So that's just the way I'm, I am. I've, I've been like that since I was actually like a toddler. I used to, my favorite book to read was my mom's calculus textbook. We're not in a judgment zone right here. But I'm looking at these numbers and I feel like um, it's really worth emphasizing, you know, some of the their secondary and and tertiary experiments, they were literally showing that some of these plants could remove, for example, 90% of the benzene in the air in 24 hours. Like that is a, like, I I defy you to find a HEPA filter. Well, I mean, obviously a HEPA filter would not be able to remove (laughs) benzene because benzene is smaller than a HEPA filter can remove, but like find an air purifier that's mechanical, that's man-made that can anywhere close to achieve that kind of efe- efficiency in terms of detoxifying the air. Like that is 
like 90% in 24 hours. And like some other plants were not as good, right? Some plants were in the 50% range, depending, right? As you were mentioning, leafy plants were better with solid root systems. And you can see that in these different types of plants. But, but it's really impressive like that I mean, is when the, when the low end is 50% removed in 24 hours like that's still amazing right you know so just just to let you know it's English ivy that removed 90% of the benzene and English ivy is extremely toxic to animals so that's one of the ones that would be excellent to have in your office or someplace where um someone who would be chewing on the plant would not be um because and, it is and very efficient the other thing is you know, going back to the soil microbiome, in this one of these tests, you know, soil is used as a control, right? And even the soil is able to remove 20% of the benzene in 24 hours. Like that's from those good bacteria in that dirt. So it's even if your news. plant yep. is <laughs> It's good dying, news for those of us that kill our leave plants. The, leave the pot around, keep the soil a little bit wet because the microbiome will be healthier if the soil is still moist. But um, but yeah, I mean, that, those are really, really impressive numbers. And I think that it's, it's worth emphasizing, right. Different plants and some of the plants that were like, not as good at removing benzene were the plants that were better at removing trichloroethylene. Like it's really interesting. It really makes a case for having houseplants in every window in your house and having a, a variety of them because it looks very much from um, the, these studies that different houseplants are sort of better at trapping and filtering different types of toxins that might be in our homes. But it's it really – like I knew um, – we have this um, family lore in my family because my great-grandfather survived a mustard gas attack in the First World War and he went to live in a seaside hospital in California for a number of years in order to recover. And in the hospital rooms, in every single hospital room, because it was a hospital that specialized in um, recovering from these um, weapons of mass destruction that were used in the First World War um, for, for, for um, veterans, and um, they had spider plants in every single room in order to detoxify because one of the things that happens with the types of, um, you know, mustard gas and, and other sort of chemicals in the chemical warfare that these soldiers were exposed to is their bodies basically had to continuously off gas in order to heal because it would get embedded into every single mucous membrane in their lungs, right. And their sinuses. And so these plants in their hospital rooms were there in order to help, filter the air to keep the air clean for these recovering soldiers. So this has been part of like my family's lore for right a hundred years now. And, um, and I think it's, it's fascinating to see science catch up with this thing that's been known for a very long time with like really impressive, like quantifiable numbers, like go NASA. Like that's just a cool study. <laughs> okay. I just, I just felt like we needed some emphasis on all these numbers because they were really exciting. I, I'm sure our listeners appreciate you pointing out very strong numbers. Um, I hesitate to get too geeky because that's just, that's your bag. So <laughs> thanks for going there. All right. Um, so you already kind of talked about um, when we're talking about toxicity in some of these plants, when it comes to specifically, I'm going to talk about pets. I didn't research for toddlers. So if you have a toddler that puts everything in their mouth, just <laughs> put it up high, like whatever you need to do, because <laughs> I'm not sure. And I'm fence around the plants. Yeah, there is a database on the ASPCA's website that you can look up almost all plants on their toxicities specific to dogs and cats. Um, that's what we used when we were looking at specifically plants that had um, higher records of air purification and then cross-referencing that with their toxicity to cats and dogs. That's the database that we used. A couple of them were not listed and we had to do additional research, but for the most part, it's really comprehensive. And so I would strongly suggest if you have pets to check that out. Um, the toxin can range from things like calcium oxalates in the IVs, which might cause mouth and throat irritation to vomiting, um, 
to saponins, which can cause, as we know, we've talked about on the show before, digestive distress, um, and even alkaloids, which could be deadly. So depending on the size of your pet, um, like we have a eight pound puppy, so it's a big deal if she gets into things versus, you know, if you have an older dog that doesn't really care about a leaf that falls in the ground, like, you know, use your judgment in terms of what's going to work for you. But um, we went through and cross-referenced, like I said, the plants that had um, air purification to the toxicity. And then I prioritized how difficult they were to kill. Because for me, that's the number one thing is even though in all of the controls that the um, NASA did, the soil was like about 20% across the board. Um, when you, they removed the leaves and left the soil there, it was still performing um, really well with just the soil. None of us want dead plants, you know, <laughs> like that's just, that's not your goal. Um, it's it's a little depressing, frankly, and it might stress you out more than help you. So um, for me, as someone who has a really difficult time keeping plants alive, um, I basically came up with a list of 10 plants that I recommend that are going to purify your air, but not be toxic and could be more difficult than not for you to kill. So um, I'll walk through those pretty quickly. The, um, and this is all, I'm just guessing on the names here, guys. I did not do like one of those Google sound lookup things. Ooh, um, ooh, I might, I might know them. I might know them. I was going to say, I'm not Sarah. <laughs> So well, I, I do come from a long line of avid gardeners. So these are, this is the type of knowledge you pick up, uh, pick up on the fly when you are surrounded by it your whole life. And also, I think you have probably more experience with Latin than me, given your educational background. So um, Areca palm and Eresa. Yeah. Okay. So that is specifically shown to purify against formaldehyde, xylene, and tuoline. Um, it's all of these that I'm going to mention, except the ones there are three are non-toxic. And then, um, it requires partial shade, which in my, that's what house plants are going to mostly be. It's very difficult mm -hmm. to get them in full sun if you're talking about a house plant and it's hard to kill. Um, the next one is a spider plant. I think a lot of people are familiar with that. It's classically hung. Um, it's purifying the same things as the erasa and it's partial shade to full shade. So it's really hardy. Like you can put yeah. it in the corner of your home and it'll still find the light. And, and they make little plant babies that you can plant That's like, and then you can have a million of them. So my next, my, so my next round of plant buying, cause we just bought some this past month. So as soon as we get stable with them and we keep them alive for a little longer, my next endeavor is going to be to tackle the spider plant and to have little spider plant babies. Cause I've seen it done in the office, um, by other people that are good with plants. And so I'm like, okay, that's my next thing to tackle. And then the other two that I'm going to get, I actually had a flamingo lily at my last house and I loved it. Um, but I did kill it by overwatering it. <laughs> and also a peace lily. So they're kind of, um, sister plants. They look very familiar, but the flamingo has a bright red bloom and the peace lily has a white bloom. And classically they're known to be like the longest blooming plants. This is what mm -hmm. my realtor taught me. And she's like, Stacy, you can, this is, you know, before my endeavor to keep plants alive, she wanted to have some greenery in the home as we were showing it. And she was like, this is really sturdy and the, and the bloom will stay long forever. It'll be fine. Like you won't kill this before your house sells. So, um, I strongly recommend those if you're looking for hardy. However, um, the peace lily is toxic to cats and the flamingo lily is toxic to dogs. So for me, I'll have to, <laughs> you know, but I'll have to put them, um, oh no, wait, I said that wrong. They're both toxic to cats, but not toxic to dogs. Sorry for the confusion. Um, so I'll need to put them somewhere where the cats won't be tempted, but we had them at the old house and the cats didn't really care about them because they don't shed. That's another thing for me is like the spider plant and the ivies are a little more risky in my opinion, just because they're going to shed their leaves more easily than something that has a very hardy, like 
leaf that doesn't shed. So just be mindful of that. Um, so the other plant that actually is very, very similar to peace lily and flamingo lily, I don't know how it ranks on the detoxification side, but it looks very similar. It's called an aspidistra and it is non-toxic to both cats and dogs mm. and it's incredibly hardy. It has a very, very similar shaped bloom to the peace lily and it has the greatest like oldie timey song ever that I'm really hoping Matt will find and just edit in right here. It's called the greatest aspidistra in the world. And it might, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's classic, like 1938 amazing song. It just needs to go right here. It just, I really hope, I really hope that just finished playing. I, I left a, a moment of silence there for you. <laughs> okay. Um, so moving – oh, and those, whether or not Aspidistra does, I don't know. But the Peace Lily and the Flamingo Lily detoxify a lot, um, almost the full list. Benzene, formaldehyde, the TCE, ammonia, xylene, and toluene. So good stuff there. Um, moving on. We talked about variegated snake plant or mother-in-law's tongue, or you knew what the Latin name. Sansevieria. It is um, of the plants that are known for air purification. It's always high on the list. It's one of the ones NASA um, researched. And um, the thing with it is, is toxic to both cats and dogs. However... Like I said, the leaves don't shed and they are upright. If you see the plant, the reason that it's called a snake plant is it grows upright. So it's not like the leaves are hanging and tempting cats to like bat at it and stuff like that. So what well, we've... so hang on because I've... <laughs> I, I, Peanut, my old cat, I, I miss him because he was, he was a sweetheart, but he did think that attacking my Sansevieria was fun. I did not realize that it was toxic at the time, but I did used to always, I discouraged my cats from chewing on plants in general. And I used to just take things away. Um, but I had a Sansevieria that he, he was chronically like pulling one leaf out and like chasing it around the room. And like they're the long, right. You know, two feet no, long no, snake like leaves. Not, this is, this is against regulation. What you're talking, right. what you're talking about right I'm now. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, uh, that you're a terrible pet owner? That's what you're... <laughs> well, that I was when I had Peanut. <laughs> so it seems that was not Peanut's demise. I'm sure everything was no, fine. No, it was not. Um, he lived a long life. For me, what I've done with my snake plant, and I have a picture up on the blog, is I have it high up on a pedestal. It's over four feet high, and it's not wide enough for the cats to be able to jump up on it. And like I said, the leaves grow upright, so they're not like hanging down and tempting the cats or, or anything like that. So there's physically no way for them to get to a leaf. Um either the dog or the cat. And the reason that I like it is because it's high on air purification for benzene, formaldehyde, TCE, xylene, and toluene. And it grows really well in partial partial shade and full shade. So again, I have it in like a corner of my foyer where it's not getting a lot of light and it's still really hardy and doing well. So if you like me, are on the struggle bus with plants, that might be a good one for you. Um, another is the aloe vera plant. I recommend that people have aloe not just for the benefits of air purification because it's not super high in terms of air purification, benzene and formaldehyde, um, but it obviously has other beneficial purposes in terms of um, cuts and burns and different things like that. And so if you have an aloe vera plant, then you have a natural source of aloe in your home to use for those purposes. So I have included it on the list, even though it is toxic for pets, because again, it's not a shedding plant. Like the only reason that the leaves would break is if someone broke them off. Um, and it does do pretty well in partial shade. I've had mine... I've moved them from outside where it was really colder than it um, would have liked as a, as a plant. And I've right. had them inside in the shade and it's been really hardy. Like I have two of them and they've done really well as we move them around. So um, that's one of the ones that I've included on my list, even though it is toxic to pets. You know, add anything about 
aloe being awesome or we my, moving on? My, again, I, because this episode seems to be just a chronic nostalgic <laughs> <laughs> stories for me, but we always had aloe growing up. And I mean, I, I vividly remember my mom breaking off a leaf to treat, you know, kitchen burns, sunburns. Like it was, um, it was, su- it was super handy, just like a first aid plant. In fact, I think this is the first house I've ever lived where I haven't had an aloe vera plant. Um, but in part because I have no partial shade, only full shade in my house. Well, honestly, from what I found is really sturdy. I don't know if it's just the ones we got, but like, they're one of the ones where I'm like, I can't believe these haven't died yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Now that I've said that and written a post all about it, I'm sure they'll die. Okay. Another one that's on my list to get, um, is a banana tree, which evidently you can grow if you have a well-lit room. And I do, I have a room with, um, skylights and a bunch of windows and I'm going to get a banana tree in there because, um, it's non-toxic and it's super cool. Um, banana trees look really good. If you haven't seen them before, they're, you know, the big full leaves and I don't really have, um, a plant like that because a fig tree, although it is good at purification and is beautiful, is toxic and it does shed leaves. So I am going to use the banana tree as my alternative to where I want to put a fig tree in the corner of my room. Um, It does need sunlight because it is from a tropical environment, but it can also do well with partial shade. So, and it's hard to kill if you're giving it sunlight. So for what it's worth, it's been shown to remove formaldehyde from the air. Not a lot of air fear purification coming from there, but um, it's a banana tree. So that's the trade-off. <laughs> um, <laughs> the other one I mentioned earlier, the first tree that we got for our home was the money tree or the pachina. And that's been shown to reduce benzene, formaldehyde, tri- or TCE, xylene, and toluene. It's non-toxic and it does really well in partial or full shade. I will say that it did well in partial shade in my foyer in the summer because I have like indirect light coming in from from frosted glass, but in the winter time that wasn't enough. And so it started shedding leaves and we moved it to the great room where it got some more light now and it's starting to perk back up. So, um, I will say I had to like pay attention to the fact that it was dropping leaves and be like, oh, what's happening with this tree? And then we moved it into the sunlight and it's happier now. Uh, but it is pretty hardy and sturdy and it's non-toxic to pets. So that was one of the, the first ones that we got. And then the last one is cactus. And I could not find any official scientific studies on this, probably because like an air plant, it doesn't have a strong root system, but it does have root system and soil. But I wanted to include cactuses on the list because they're very hard to kill. And so if you are sitting there like, oh my gosh, Stacy, even she who shall not be named cannot help me from killing the plants. I overwater them. I, you know, undersun them. No matter what I do, I'm killing things. Like, get yourself some cactuses and just forget about them. Like, once a month when you yeah, remember. You can kill a cactus by overwatering. So. Yep. definitely err on the side of don't watering your cactus. Yes, exactly. And so that's the plant that I've had for 13 years. I have literally gone like months not watering that cactus and it doesn't die. So, and as we talked about the benefits of the soil, even if there's not a ton of benefit from the plant itself is going to be beneficial from removing the toxins in the air for you. So it's non-toxic to pets and it is really hard to kill. So I've included cactus on the list, despite the fact that it's not a strong air purifier. Um, that's, that's, that's what I got to say about that. Um, <laughs> there's also the ZZ um, plant, which we have in our house, and someone sent it to me as a gift. Um, it's really cool these days, and I highly recommend, like, going forward instead of getting someone flowers is you can send someone whole plants and baby yeah. trees. Like, I found um, a couple of beautiful, not tiny trees for, like, Sixty nine ninety nine. when I was looking up these different plants, like it was like, oh, do you want to buy this from here and send it to whomever? Like that's, if you're going to spend $50 on flowers delivered, like you could spend a little bit more and they could have a, you know, plant that lives forever. So someone did send me a, a ZZ or a Zanzibar gem. Um, 
and it does detoxify, but it is also toxic to pets. Um, but it does really well in the shade and it does well with pretty dry, like you don't need to water it a lot. So I've been keeping that alive and it's going well and it doesn't shed leaves. So again, if you wanted to do that, um, although it, it could, could be toxic to pets, if you're keeping it in a safe place would be fine. So those are my top 10. <laughs> so, um, one of the things that I kind of wanted to do though, was summarize in general, some of the things that I've done to keep these things alive. Like you, you come from generation, generations of gardeners and you, yeah. you know, all this stuff and that's great for you. Um, but try <laughs> as my, try as my mom might, she could not pass it to me. I remember being a teenager and my mom would go away for the weekend and getting like the strongest lecture from her about what I needed to do to water her garden while she was gone. And it didn't it, like no fail, no matter how hard I tried when she would come home from wherever she was, like her plants were wilty. And I, I mean, it was like I overwatered or I underwatered or I watered at the wrong time. Like, I don't know. So if that's you, and according to social media, that is a lot of you, <laughs> what I would say has really helped me is getting plants that have the same needs. So in particular, the ones that I started out with, I talked to the gardening center and I said, point me to the plants that are A, non-toxic to pets, and they do have a list for you, um, and B, Plants that will do okay if I forget to water them for a while and then we water them a bunch and then we forget to water them. And there are a group of plants that do well with the soil drying out before it gets wet again. And money tree is one of them. Cactus is one of them, right? Like there's there's plants that do well with you forgetting to water them. And so that's what I started out with. And it was really helpful in terms of like building my confidence with keeping the plants alive. <laughs> um, the other tip that I would give you is if you do get plants that need to be watered more regularly, get one of those watering bulb things that I was talking about, like the self, they call them self watering plant bulbs, but it's, it's like a long stem and then there's a, a round or some shape at the top and you hold it upside down to fill it. It's like a, a tiny tube that drips the water down into the tube. And then when you flip it upside down, the water will only leak out as much as the plant needs to drink. Um, and so it helps with keeping the plant watered, even if you forget, um, then, of course, setting reminders for yourself. Like I said, she who shall not be named, you can tell her to remind you to water the plants every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday, um, which is what we have reminders for. And we have her remind us every day. And that way, when we forget or ignore her once or twice a week, like we're actually hitting it the three days a week that we need to. <laughs> um And then really pay attention to the sunlight needs of your plants and put them in the place that they stay. I made the mistake for years of buying plants based on what they looked like and putting them in places that weren't really appropriate for them. And I strongly believe that that's probably why a lot of them died. Um, and so I was really mindful of asking what exactly does this plant need and then paying attention to it. So that's why I haven't just filled my home with all of the plants that I want at one time because then I get overwhelmed and I forget what some need versus what others need and blah, blah, blah. And so I'm batching it like, okay, all of these plants that I just got recently need more sunlight and they need more water. And then the plants that I got a few months ago that I've had success with did really well in the shade and they needed to be dried out before we watered them again. And so we're building in those habits and we're getting used to them, so to speak. Um, and like I said, building confidence with not killing them is honestly been really helpful towards wanting to continue <laughs> to get plants because <laughs> you don't feel like a failure. Um, and then last but not least... If you are not a great gardener, don't feel like you can revive the plants from the clearance section of Target or Home Depot or wherever it is you are. I have done that so often. Like, oh, well, it's already half dead. So if I kill it, it won't matter. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't do that. Because you need a plant that's already like healthy and happy and resilient to come into your home from whatever it is that you're about to torture it with. So... If you're already on the struggle bus with these plants, like do yourself a favor and just 
avoid ones that are already on their way out. Um, and if you're talking to someone in the garden center or whatever it is, whatever store you're in, they will be happy to help you find a plant that is happy and for you. I mean, I think about it the way that Sarah talks about the microbiome in your gut. Like it's your friend. It's got its own microbiome (laughs) and it's helping to purify your air. It's making you feel good. And it's, you know, just, it's a little happy plant and it's just your job to just keep it happy. And so if it comes into your home and it's already like stressed out, you're going to be stressed out and it's not going to go well. Those of you who are experts, like Dr. Ballantyne, she can get, you know, a clearance plant and, and revive it. That's fine. That's for her. Like that's not, that's not for you if you've got a black thumb. So, um, can I tell you one of my gardening secrets? Yes. This, uh, this is one of my secrets for both indoor house plants and outdoor gardening. Um, if a plant does not thrive with the level of care that I am willing to provide it, then that is not a plant that I keep. So I have for many years, basically, I mean, it's what you're sort of saying, you go to the garden center and you figure out, you know, what plant is going to work in your house and not, and not try to, you know, find just the pretty thing and, and hope that it survives. But I've, I've done this pretty much since I moved out on my own. And, um, and granted, you know, like I, I do have a pretty good sense of, which window a plant should go in and how much water it's going to need. But if I, you know, if that plant is not happy because it needs more water than the plant beside it and I never quite give it enough water, then I just don't have that kind of plant again. And I, I really am sort of ruthless within the sense of like, if you're not a good fit for me, then, then you don't get to live in my house. And it, it really sort of, I mean, it, it boils down to exactly what you're saying of like, find the plants that work for you. Talk to an expert at the garden center. Um, but that's, that's, that's my big secret to why I have a nice garden and a few nice house plants, despite the fact that my house is, gets like no direct sunlight whatsoever is because they, they, those are the plants that like the care that I'm willing to give them. And so they're happy. And so I have them. That Christmas cactus was my plant. <laughs> Just <laughs> one. <laughs> There you go. All right. Well, I've I've tried to live up to your high standards. I delivered some science. I interjected some practical advice. What I hope is that you walk away inspired to go get yourself whatever plant is right for you. And just whatever happens, you're not a failure if that plant dies. <laughs> Because the soil is still removing (laughs) toxins, (laughs) even if it's dead. So just remember that. Um, There's no way, there's no scenario here in which you fail. Um, All right. Is that it? How do we end? How, what do you do? You gotta, you gotta end the show. That's what happens. I I gotta end the show. Well, I guess to wrap up, I will say thank you to Juve for sponsoring the show and reminder to our listeners to go to juve.com forward slash paleo view. That's J O O V V dot com forward slash paleo view to learn more about red light therapy and listeners. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love it if you would leave us a review wherever you're listening to our podcast or comment on our post on social media, tell us what you liked about the podcast or if you have any questions for follow-up episodes in the future and share it with your friends you can share it in the like fancy dancy way of hitting the share button on your tablet or smartphone or computer or you could just say hey friend i like this podcast that i listen to all the time and you might like it too and it's called the paleo view and it's hosted by stacy and sarah and they're whatever your opinions of us are fill in the blank but only tell them that if it's good stuff well, clearly, uh, if you don't love this podcast, I'm not sure why you're still listening. Cause I, I, I don't cause maybe, some, <laughs> right. maybe, maybe someone else is listening and then they're like, they're in the room and they're like at the end and they're like, why won't these people wrap up? And the reason why we're not wrapping up is because I'm doing it and I'm not practiced at this and I'm just making it up on the spot. And apparently what I do when I'm not practiced at something is I ramble. But you did do a great job of bridging the show earlier. So I just want to give you kudos for that. (laughs) Thanks, ma'am. Well, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week.
Have a great week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. I'm dancing to the outro music that I can't hear. <laughs> the question is, do you have a dancing plant next to you? I wish I did. Uh, I'd like a little baby Groot right next to me. Oh. Wouldn't that be cool? A little, yes. a little baby Groot. Like an actual detoxifying the air baby Groot. Clearly. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.